Listener Production. Good morning, sports fans, and welcome to the Scorecard. I'm Liam Flanagan, and this is your fast, fun hint of sport for Thursday, the 13th of July. Today, the Poms ruin the party and level the Women's Ashes series. Netball Australia facing a player exodus if they don't get their you-know-what together. And Novak Djokovic knocks off another record. But first... Ladies and gentlemen of Rugby League, meet your newest State of Origin star. Up until last night, Bradman Best was a highly talented, built like a brick shithouse centre for the Newcastle Knights, who'd long been considered a rep player for the future. But last night, the 21-year-old became an Origin star. Tedesco's got support. He gives the pass away to Bradman Best. And the first game against another one. Best announced himself in fine style in front of 75,000 screaming fans, scoring a double and repaying the faith shown to him by Blues coach Brad Fittler in handing him an Origin debut. Thank you for believing in me. But it was Josh Adokar who provided the biggest highlight of the Blues win. And here's Adokar in space down the wing. He's going to kick ahead. Blue jumpers try. Adokar's after it. It's Sanders winning a great origin try. The end result helped to restore some much-needed pride to the New South Wales jersey as the Blues scored a 24-10 win over Queensland to avoid the first Queen sleep in state of origin in 13 years. New South Wales have avoided the Queen sleep. And look towards 2024 with some optimism. Another new inclusion, Cody Walker was named man of the match, vindicating coach Brad Fittler's decision to make such sweeping changes to the Blues team for the final game of the series. I knew what I was doing and I was right. But ultimately, New South Wales' joy was short-lived as Queensland then got to make their 2023 series victory official with Captain Daly Cherry Evans accepting the shield on behalf of his team and his state, while forward Reuben Cotter was awarded the Wally Lewis medal as the player of the series. I was really hoping today we'd be celebrating the fact that the all-conquering Aussie women's cricket team had retained the Ashes overnight. Cut! Yeah! In the air and caught. They're eight down, England. Still needing 29 runs. The women, unlike the men, play a multi-format Ashes series made up of tests, ODIs and T20s, with the winner being declared based on points awarded for each match. And last night, the Aussies took a six points to four lead into the first ODI of the series where a win would have guaranteed them overall victory. We're going to win, and we're going to win big. But England weren't going to go down without a fight, and after the Aussies won the toss and elected to bat, the Poms got off to the perfect start. Oh, that's close. Very close is this swing. Pitching in line, impact in line, hitting the wicket. Alyssa Healy, the Aussie captain and one of the most devastating ODI batters, was gone for just eight runs in the first over of the match. Young stars Phoebe Litchfield and veteran Elise Perry both made starts for Australia, but it was a gritty innings of 81 runs from Beth Mooney that helped the Aussies set England an intimidating run chase of 263, not only for victory, but to keep the series alive. And their chase couldn't have got off to a worse start. Boulder, straight back through the gate. It's nipped back. Perry's got one on target. And it's the end of Sophia Dunkley. Perry made the breakthrough for the Aussies with the ball, but England's captain Heather Knight wasn't going to let her side go down without a fight. 50 for England's captain. As others fell around her, Knight continued to score runs until with less than two overs remaining and only two wickets in hand, Knight delivered once more. And the gift, the scream, the celebration, the ashes remain alive. It's all tied up. A record-high run chase for the English women's side now sees the series level at six points apiece with two ODIs remaining. The next is this Sunday, a sold-out match at the Rose Bowl in Southampton. 
Netball in Australia has had a season to forget. It's been a rough year. And while the Suncorp Super Netball Grand Final thriller from the weekend between the Thunderbirds and the Swifts provided a brief reprieve from the grim realities facing the sport, the gloss of the finale appears to have already worn off. Oh, no! We suck again! While the national team is focused on the Netball World Cup, which is less than three weeks away from kicking off in South Africa, locally, the future of the league is still up in the air. The Suncorp Super Netball League is currently one team short of the necessary number to meet its broadcast agreements after Collingwood decided to bail on having a team in the competition, and Netball Australia has already fallen behind its planned schedule to replace the Pies with another team, according to the ABC. But it gets worse. Give me the bad news first. All players in the Suncorp Super Netball League are essentially off contract, and because of the delay, a new collective player agreement has not been finalised, which means the other seven teams in the league are unable to sign players for next season. But it gets worse. And there's some worse news. With the way the game has been run in Australia, you could understand if some of the players were looking elsewhere for their next contract. Now, the contract window for New Zealand's league has already closed, so that's off the table. But the signing period for England's netball competition, the UK Super League, ends tomorrow. So essentially, in the next 24 hours, we could see some of the best netball talent leave our shores simply because they can't trust that Netball Australia is going to get its SHIT together in time. Get it together? Hey, Netball Australia. Clock's ticking. If you've ever wondered what the magical fuel behind Novak Djokovic's insane level of tennis is at this stage of his career, the answer's simple. Pressure. Pressure is part of what we do. It's part of our sport. It's never going to go away, regardless of uh, you know how many Grand Slams you win or how many matches you won or how many years that you're playing on the professionally on the tour. The pressure is uh, paramount every, every single time I, I come out on the court, particularly here the centre court of Wimbledon, but at the same time, it awakens the, the, the most beautiful emotions in me and, and it motivates me beyond what I've ever dreamed of, actually, to, 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 it, and, and inspires me to play my best tennis. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I know that they want to get a scalp, they want to, to win, but uh, it, it ain't happening still. <laughs> the Serbian superstar is already the greatest men's tennis player in history when it comes to Grand Slam victories, and now he is through to a record equaling 46th Yes, 46th Grand Slam semi-final, equaling the tally of the Swiss maestro Roger Federer. Djokovic defeated Andrei Rublev overnight to set up a tantalising semi-final against Italian young gun and eighth seed Yannick Sinner, who, was matter of fact, when asked about the daunting prospect of tackling Novak in the Wimbledon semi-finals. Does it make any difference to you at this stage of a tournament who the semi-final opponent is? Um, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> Novak, he, uh, he hadn't lost on centre in 10 years, so it's going to be for sure a tough one. In the other semi-final, 20-year-old world number one Spanish phenom Carlos Alcaraz will take on Russia's Daniel Medvedev after the Russian was allowed to return to the All England Club in 2023 after being banned from the grass major in 2022 due to the ongoing war in Russia. But Medvedev and other Russian and Belarusian players were permitted to compete in this year's tournament and now the men's world number three is only two wins away from throwing the ultimate welcome back party. Welcome back. And that is your Fast Fun Hitter Sport for today. I'm Liam Flanagan. Catch you tomorrow for your week-ending edition of The Scorecard. Listener.